Hi, this is Stuart Hardy with All In Sports Outreach, and I'm so excited to share episode number 66 of our podcast with you. Today, you're going to hear from David Rocker, and this is a very special one for me to share. Is growing up a huge Auburn fan, loving to watch in the 80s, Tracy and David Rocker playing together on the defensive line. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited for you to hear from David and his story. We're going to talk a lot about playing at Auburn, playing with his brother, but also more than that, um, him being an ordained minister, leading a ministry in the Atlanta area. He's married. He's a dad. He's a man of strong character. He loves the Lord. I cannot wait for you to hear from David. So let's jump right into it. Well, thanks for joining me today, David. Glad to be on the show. You bet. So I always like to start off with some background information. A lot of listeners may not be familiar with who you are. So I thought it'd be good to um, give a little bit about yourself, maybe uh, tell us a little bit about your family growing up and your family today. And I know a lot of our listeners in the state of Alabama, Auburn fans will be familiar with uh, the Rocker family, you know, having you play, you and your brother both played at Auburn and you went on to play in the NFL. But if you go, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Well, I'm a native of Atlanta, Georgia, and uh, that's one of those things that's a rarity now. I'm back here living right outside of Atlanta, but just the mere fact from being from Atlanta, people are just like, what? You're, you're actually from here? So I grew up as an inner city kid uh, here in Atlanta. Um, I come from a football family. You know, someone would say, when did you get interested in football? It's one of those things like when I, when I was birthed, I was birthed into football. My oldest mm. brother, Tony, that a lot of people don't know about, but he's 10 years older. Um, he played at a small school uh, here in Georgia, but that's where it started. My oldest brother played at Fort Valley State, and I, I can tell you right now, when I went to uh, Fort Valley, I said, I'm coming here. This is the college yeah. I'm going. I had no idea about Division One, uh, Division One football. <clears throat> and, of course, Tracy and I, Tracy and I are three, three years apart. He's the middle brother. And uh, so he and I spent a lot of time together. I think one of the unique things of growing up in a football family is having my dad as my Little league, little league coach, and my mom was the uh, was the team mom, and that was just one of those families that I come from. I come from a very community uh, active family, from my mm. grandparents being involved with always helping. So, even though we played football, I think my dad did it more out of just serving the community in the sense mm. of helping so many kids, and my mom doing doing the same thing on keeping we keep kids busy, as they told me. When you keep them busy, you keep them out of trouble. So that's what I grew up in. It's, it's just kind of knowing that. And, um, of course, going to going to high school right here in Atlanta and then making an awesome decision to there go to go. Auburn University. So, <laughs> so that's, that's pretty much it. I'm happily married now. Uh, blended family of, of five kids. Um, I don't like to use the word stepson, but I do have a, a son um, that plays uh, – He's the utility guy for the Detroit Tigers, so we're excited about uh, okay. where he is. He's in his in his second year there, so um, just a lot of a lot of great things going on with family. That's awesome. And you said the blended family of, of uh, five kids together. Yes, yes, that's my awesome. Wife, that's awesome. And I, yeah, my wife Gun and I have been married, and uh, and uh, gosh, when you start going down the the list of of kids, I mean. Uh, my, bi- 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 my biological kids, I have twins, uh, Gavin and Gabrielle. They are 26 years old. And that's, man, when I say that, it just makes me feel so old myself. And wow. so they're, they're 26. And then uh, I have a younger son, Drew. Uh, we had to wait five years 
uh, just when you have twins, you have to give it some time. So then That's I right. Drew, who's my, uh, he's the baby at uh, age 21. And matter of fact, he's at my oldest brother, alma mater at Fort Valley. And oh, okay. Of course, yeah. And then of course we have, as I told you, Nico playing for the Detroit Tigers and the oldest one is Roman. He's a firefighter here in the Atlanta area. So that's a so sports that's family. Thing. Yeah, it is. It is. That's, uh, you know, you give me a little bit of hope too. On you say your twins are 26. My <laughs> wife and I, we have 12 year old twins, boy, girl. Oh, wow. So, okay. Yeah. So it's nice to know that uh, you can, you can make it a little past 12. Oh. Some days I wonder. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can. You actually, you can. That is something. <laughs> yeah. So you talked about your family. Um, yes. Growing up more, uh, a close family. What about growing up? Was your was it a family of faith? And then at what point did you decide, you know what? I need a personal relationship with Jesus. Well, I grew up in a very religious family. And let me make that mm. point, make that point That's really right. clear. I grew up in a, in a religious family. It was one of those things that um, we grew up knowing about God, going to, uh, going to Sunday school. And we knew that going to church um, was the right thing to do. But I can honestly tell you, it was one of those things that football still sat on the throne of my life. Mm. Um, I did, I did other things in a sense of a, uh, being involved in FCA. I was the FCA president uh, during my time in high school. And that's when I, I, uh, I got saved when mm. I was in, uh, when I was going to the 10th grade, went to an FCA meeting up in uh, Black Mountain, North Carolina. And it was truly life changing. That's when I really became, uh, when I say when I really knew without a shadow of a doubt that I had accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Um, but the thing I always talk about is the process. Even though I was saved, I ended up going to Auburn University, and that's when I fell off. And a lot of people don't like to tell the full testimony. You know, they'll try to that's make right. it cute. Um, but mine is not cute. Even though I grew up in a religious family, I knew fo- football sat on the throne. The life-changing uh, time for me came was after my rookie season, or right there at my rookie season. Um, it's when I really rededicated my life. And that's when it went from religion to relationship. Mm. And that right there was the life-changing moment for me that still fuels my fire today. You said that was your rookie year? Yes. Wow, that's awesome. Well, I mean, that's a good way to say it, too. Because a lot of people, you know, we do, a lot of people grow up religious. Oh, absolutely. You know, say, I believe in God. I tell my son, we have a 15-year-old. I tell him all the time, you look at all these uh, athletes, whether they're mm-hmm. high school, college, pro, you look at their social media profiles and God first, God first. But yes. it, that's a lot of it is religion. I like Absolutely. the way you said you went from religion to relationship. That's, Absolutely. that's very Stuart, good. We can all know God. I always tell so many athletes he can, he can be, oh man, I believe in God. The question is, is he Lord? That's you know? right. <laughs> that's right. Is, is he Lord? Is he the final authority in your life? And I think that's where so many people uh, want to stay at their comfort zone in a way of saying, I just want to call on God in times of emergency. That's but right. That, I just kind of want to do my deal. You know, that's just, right. just when I get in trouble, just be there to bail me out again. When it's totally different, more so than saying, no, I really want to live a life that, that's pleasing to God. Not being perfect, but being God conscious on, I really want to please God. Man, that's awesome. So we're going to get back to your faith in a moment. Let's yeah. kind of shift a little bit back to sports a little bit. <clears throat> you talked about this great decision you made of attending Auburn. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> you know, you're, and I didn't even know about your older brother, Tony. I've, Obviously, yeah. very well aware, grew up an Auburn fan of Tracy. But, Absolutely. So you yeah. talked about wanting to go to Fort Valley, but then you end up 
at Auburn with your older brother. So what led you to Auburn? Well, it's one of those things that um, that go all the way back. We had a guy from our high school by the name of Danny Robinson who, who went to Auburn. And that's the first time that we ever really knew someone um, close to our family in a sense of being able to go to a division one school. So it was just like, man, this is on a whole nother level. And then <laughs> as recruiting would start and Tracy started getting recruited, you're sitting right here and I'm just in awe on seeing the, the Vince Dooley's and the Pat Dye's like, Oh my God, these coaches are coming to our house. <laughs> you know, so, so you're, you know, you're getting caught up uh, in, into this. And then of course, when Tracy, um, when Tracy went, when Tracy went to a, uh, when Tracy made a decision and went to um, went to Auburn. Yeah, when Tracy made the decision to uh, to go to Auburn, it was one of those deals in a sense of thinking, I'm gonna go out, I'm gonna look at some other places and, mm-hmm. and venture out. And I really, really thought that I was gonna um, go to Notre Dame. I really, really, I really thought that was gonna be the case. But it was one of those things when you start settling in and you start looking at. The opportunity, you know, you uh, Auburn was an hour and twenty minutes down the road. Yes. My parents, they're supportive, but gosh, this is going to be trying to get them back and forth. And you start looking at the uniqueness of it. How many people actually have the opportunity to play with their brother on a Division One level? And mm. so it was just being able to do that, and it was a beautiful thing. Went there, went there, tracing our roommates. It was just like being at home. Wow. So. <laughs> I mean, what was it like? I mean, you say y'all were roommates, but three years apart, what was it like playing alongside him at a Division One? As you mentioned, it's yeah. not a, well, the a thing, rare opportunity. We, we were able to play two years together because Tracy was redshirted. Ah. So, yeah, so that put him back a year. So we actually had two years to uh, to play together. And it was one of those things that um, we, we played together in high school, but he was a senior and I was a ninth grader. So he's seeing me in that developmental stage, even though I was a ninth grader playing varsity, you're still just still kind of finding your way. So now when your brother see that you're coming to the same school, I think he was still in question. Like, I mean, are they doing this because of me or have, has my brother really established himself? Right. So it was good for me to, to be able to play in a sense of not trying to impress him, but that being a by- byproduct of it, that, my brother can say, okay, I knew growing up that my younger brother can play, but man, he actually played. So being able to have that opportunity to uh, go to the Sugar Bowl two years in a row and play with your brother or be on the field at the same time, it was, you know, that's, that's phenomenal. That'd be something I'll never forget being in Jordan hair and you're getting out in your stance and you look over and your brother's over there beside you. So it's like, man, this is awesome. That is. Yeah, absolutely. What what would you say is your greatest memory playing at Auburn? Uh, well, that, that would be I, the first memory that stands out is the first time I actually took the field. We played Texas. Mm-hmm. I was a freshman. Uh, Eric Metcalf, I know many people I don't remember that, oh, but yeah. he's a great NFL player, but he was playing for Texas and being able to, for the years I sat in the stands watching my brother play, uh, at Auburn and now to run out of that tunnel and and really embrace oh my goodness i'm i'm out here in front of 85,000 people this is this is this is something i'll never never ever uh forget so that right there is just etched and etched into my mind and then what followed after that being there and to win three sec championships back to back um 
even though it had a, it, it kind of was a, a downer, but being able to play in the first Allen Iron Bowl game that came to Auburn, of course, um, even though I got hurt that game, but still being able to be part of, of history like that or just unforgettable moments. I've taken um, our family back to Auburn twice in the last three years near Thanksgiving. Okay. Wow. See them play Liberty and Sanford. First time they've been. And, you know, you go to the Tiger Walk and I always explain to them that I was at that game in 1989. You, you referenced <laughs> wow. the first, first okay. time that Auburn hosts Alabama. I tell them all the time that I think that's what really started a lot of the history of the Tiger Walk and the – Oh, Yeah. And, and, and the traditions of – because I remember before that game, you would go and be fans there. But, I, but I mean, being there oh. at that one is something I will never forget the rest of my life. Me either. I, I'll never forget seeing all the RVs that were already there. You know, knowing the RVs roll in on Thursday nights, but seeing them yeah. already there on Monday and Tuesday. And to come out of my room and see that being one of the biggest Tiger Walks ever – that sea of people was just unforgettable. Yeah, and I, and I know I told you I was going to ask you about your greatest Iron Bowl memory, but I'm, uh, I think it's probably pretty safe that it's 1989. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Being able to pull that win off right there at Jordan Hare. Oh, yeah, that, that's definitely it. Yeah, but I, I, have, I want to ask you something else about the Iron Bowl. I mean, for yes. people outside the state of Alabama, mm-hmm. having played in that game, and probably arguably won the largest Iron Bowls, and which was in '89. What was it like from the players' perspective? I mean, what does that game mean? Um, I, I think that's one of those things that defined for us that era, in a sense mm. of yeah, Auburn was doing a lot of winning and, and all that. But right there, when it came down to how I mean the history of the Iron Bowl and always meeting it at that neutral ground. And now to have Alabama in in your house, I think it's one of those things. This is gonna establish the the core tradition of what Auburn stands for. You know, so That's just right. one of those things I think guys just made up in their mind like, uh, we can't lose this game. <laughs> you know, whatever. We cannot lose this game. So to see the determination that was in guys' eyes without a word being spoken. Mm. really one of those things that was really good you didn't have to go and hype a guy up or say let's get ready to go all you had to do was look at a guy and and it it, it resonated from each player on yeah we, we're, we're about to do this yeah 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 that's awesome so after that you go on you uh you get drafted you yes. uh, enjoy four years or so in the nfl so talk about the you know, the transition from college to pro and, um, you know, and just going through the whole draft process. Oh, yeah. Um, being able to go to the to the combine and uh, do all this these things that you hear pro players doing. And now for you to be a part of that is one of those like, man, I'm, I'm going through this process. But of course, you're still nervous because you never know uh, what's going to happen. And you've seen so many people who you thought was going to get drafted, but it doesn't happen. So when they uh, to get that phone call. And, mm. and now you're like, oh, man, I'm, I'm getting my shot. It, it, it's, it's, it's twofold. <laughs> you know, you, you're nervous because now you feel like you're going from being a little boy to like, no, I'm playing with real grown men now. Yeah. And, uh, and so for that to happen, and to be honest with you, it was one of those things, Stuart, with a lot of people don't know. I really didn't embrace being into the league until my second year mm. because you're still so focused on I, I want to make it. I want to make sure – 
am I good enough? You know, I think that's that competitive nature. Am I good enough to still, you know, to play on this level? And I think that's just one of those things that always be that driving, that driving force. But of course, that's the stuff that people don't see. You know, all they see is the, the lifestyle change and everything that was going on. So even though you can go and, and buy houses, buy cars, and that's one of the things that came into my faith in a way of uh, that led even to me rededicate because I, I, I gained all this stuff, mm. but I still was not happy. Mm. That, that's when you start realizing, like, wait a minute, <laughs> wait a minute, so, <laughs> somebody lied to me. <laughs> you know? That's right. And of course, it was beautiful to have to achieve your childhood dream. I think that's one of one of the beauties of it. And um, when I see even the draft today, one of the things that I love so much is being able to look and say, in that one day, a lot of a lot of guys' life changed forever. Families mm. change forever. It can yeah. be positive or negative, but it changes. That's good. You know, and there's, you know, a lot of people, you know, you talked about gaining all this stuff. So a lot of people, that's what they see. Make it to the league. Man, they're getting paid. You see all the yes. money. Even I mean, you can look at the rookie min- minimum, and there's a lot of people that would love to make that kind of money. Yes, yeah. But I don't think many people see the pressures that come along with that. Absolutely. So talk about the pressures of being in the NFL. Oh, yeah. It's one of the things that a lot of us as players, or former players, would talk about. Everyone loves want to be the guy that runs out the tunnel, holding up the number one in front of all the smoke, blitz, and glory. But they don't look at all the months leading up to that opening Sunday that mm. no one sees. They don't see the sacrifices of the family reunions that you miss, yeah. the family trips uh, that you miss because you have to go and work out. So it's a lot of things that people don't realize that's constantly there. And, Stu, here's another thing. People don't think about this. Every year they're bringing in another guy to replace you. That's <laughs> so, right. Yeah. So, so it's, it's that constant pressure of staying on top of your game that a lot of people don't know. So it's not just one of those things where you just, oh, man, he's just living the life. He's not thinking about anything. Oh, yeah, every day you're working on your craft. You're doing something. So even when you go on a family vacation, you have to take all your running gear. So you can get on up and let me go out here and run, knock these two miles down before I get back and take the kids to Disney World. Or you may have to make sure that the um, hotel that you're going, going to have a nice weight room. So this is the stuff that people have to look at. It's a price to be paid. And mm. uh, and one of the things I can definitely say is uh, now when you get older, I'm talking to you, but this left knee has been replaced from the game. So it costs you. It really costs yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. So let me ask you um, an, a, uh, another family question. Yes. Um you talked about following your brother Tony and Tracy's footsteps and in, in playing football. Well, Tracy's been a, a longtime coach. Yes. Uh, have you um, or did you ever consider following in those footsteps um, in, in, in the coaching world? I know you've done some, but not yes. to the level that he has. I mean, he's coached Division One and yeah, he's been, NFL. He's been, right, absolutely. Um, it's, I think it comes down to a choice of personal preference and a sense of quality of life. Again, People will always look at things that just consider, ooh, look at the money that they're making. But again, they don't realize what they're sacrificing. Uh, Tracy, Division One coach during his time uh, at Auburn, I was Tracy's, I mean, my nephew, Kamar, who's playing at Vanderbilt now, but I was his little league coach because Tracy mm. could not be mm. there at, at the games and all that kind of stuff. Um, Tracy would come home because during this time I was down there with him finishing up school, but no one would see that 
he comes in at 12 at night mm-hmm. and then he's gone at five in the morning. And what they don't realize their family time is, you know, the family getting up at five o'clock. And this is our family time because once he leaves out here at six o'clock, we're not going to see him again today. So you have to count up the cost and realize it's about the quality of life that you choose to have. Um, I knew I was called into something different. So mm. it, it's not one of those things. So now in me coaching, you know, I coached at a, at a small Christian school. I coached high school because that was just me being more personable with people and helping people. And so I don't not guys who that's their career. That's what he chooses to do and, and coach. But I think it also comes down to, uh, to the quality of life. One of the things that I live by is peace is priceless. And mm. I think people think money can always bring peace. It doesn't peace. You can't put a price tag on it. You know, uh, guys often ask me what was one of the happiest days of my life. I said the day I retired from the national football. <laughs> so they're wow. like, really? I said, yeah, because the pressure now, you know, past the money, the pressure now is off of you on what's next. How much longer can I go? Oh, man, who, who are they drafting? Who are they looking at? What's going That's done now. You can breathe. And that's when I think if people would start just living by that in everyday life, you cannot put a price tag on peace. If you understand that, it'll make you make choices that you normally wouldn't make. Uh, oh, man, I really want to get that car. But let me ask you something. If you really bought that car, would you have peace in making that payment? Not just the first one, but a year from now. That's right. Oh, you know what? I don't want to be stuck with it. Okay, peace is priceless. Man, stay at that peace, at that place of peace, you know? And that's that's just what I live by. That's awesome. So you're also an ordained minister. So talk about your ministry that that, that you founded and, um, and lead and then – you know, maybe share a few stories about how God has has worked through that ministry. I know you're involved with FCA. You've been in prison ministry, involved in in school. So, yeah, just talk about that. In, in 1998, I founded Gibraltar Ministries, uh, evangelistic outreach outreach ministry, and that allowed me to travel all across um, all across the country. Just being able to share the gospel that you already mentioned uh, through F- FCA, being able to share. Uh, in schools in a, in a very unique way and also uh, prison ministry, but it's getting people, uh, you know, I want to encourage people to get to that place on allowing God to be the Gibraltar of their lives. And when I'm talking about being that, when you study about the rock of Gibraltar, for people who don't know about it, when you study about the rock of Gibraltar, one of the things that's very unique about it, they said during the time of war, whoever occupied the rock of Gibraltar was always victorious. And the reason why it's because they can see their enemies approaching in advance. I really believe that if we get to the point of really having a relationship with God, we'll be able to see the tricks of the enemy and things that are trying to come and hinder our lives in advance so we can be able to fight against that type of warfare more so than always just being shocked like what's going on in my life. It's being able to being able to do that. So that's been a, that's been a passion of, my, of, of mine. One of the big things that we have going on right now um, is my is my walking is uh, walking with rock, and that's one of the things what I do is just encouraging people to to uh, physically get out and start walking, and and uh, and during that while I'm walking, I always share a message, and it's just called walking with rock. So those are one of those things that you can just always find hashtag walking with rock in a way of uh, understand the importance of being in physical shape, but yet also being in spiritual shape, and how both of those go together because. One of the things that happened to me, I, my weight creeped up to 405 pounds. And when I started looking at guys who I played with who were passing away, 
I mean, we can sit right here and give all excuses on mm-hmm. what's going on with our bodies, but you got to start doing something. And so still, it was just one of those things I got out. I started walking one mile. And then the next day you, you get out and you're just walking a mile and a half. And now I get out and man, I knocked down five miles. And that's just, that's just what I do. That's just part of my, wow. my lifestyle. Now I'm 60 pounds lighter and still, and just still going. I'm not sitting right here in the competition, just trying to, trying to live healthy. That's pretty gospel. awesome how you can use, you know, just something as simple as going out for a walk, but using that yes. as, as a ministry and encouraging people through that. Cause I've, I've seen a couple of your little videos you post on social yeah. media, walking with the right. And yeah, yeah, I think that's awesome how you use, you take something so simple that's benefiting you, the physical activity Absolutely. and tying it to an outreach and encouraging others. That's awesome. Absolutely. So, one of the reasons we started All In Sports Outreach in, in uh, our hometown of Selma is sports is universally um, something that brings people together. Yes. No secret that we're divided right now mm-hmm. um, as a culture. And so sports is probably in the, in the United States and around the world the one thing or one of the few things that bring people together um, and kind of tear down some walls of – racial divide, political, religious beliefs, socioeconomic status. And um, so in your experience in athletics, how have you seen that where um, being involved in in football, in your case, tore down some walls? One of the greatest impacts on my, on my, uh, on my faith walk, was experienced in the locker room during my years playing with the Rams. And I just wish people could have that life experience of, of, of a locker room. And the reason why I say that is because when you, if you just sit in your locker and look around, you'll see people from diverse backgrounds. And, you know, so I'm playing with guys who are Polynesian, you, you're playing with guys from the North, from the South, you're, they're from everywhere. But, the thing that you realize, we all came together with one common goal. And I'll go as far as this also. I also played with guys who were atheists. Mm-hmm. Okay? But here's the thing. Even though he was an atheist, we had one common goal. One common goal was this. We loved playing ball, and we wanted to win. That was it. I feel like today in our country, we can talk about a bunch of different things. The reason why everything is so off track because we don't have a core value. We don't have anything that we're rooted in. Everything is kind of, you just do you. It doesn't work that way. You can't just do you. We all have to come together on something and say, listen, this is what we're about. Regardless of your background, where you come from, what do you want to do? At the end of the day, I want to win. Period. Okay, so now for these next two hours, what do we need to do to come together and agree in order to win. And I think if people would start kind of getting that way more so than having this, well, how do you see it? Well, what do you think? It's too much. It's too much. Let's all agree on one thing. We need to make sure that God is going to be the final authority, point blank, period. And you know what? Everyone's not going to be happy, but you know what? If that's what we're using, if that's the standard, the standard is the standard. So it's one of those, it's just like going to your meetings. You know, you have guys who are always saying, man, he's always, he's always late. But it's strange though. I never had many guys who would be late for meetings when you're going to get fined $20,000. You know, you may be late to parties and all these other things because you knew you had something that you, that you cared about. And I really just feel like people just got to get to the point on 
being able to, if you love God, period. See, I'm not, I didn't say like, I didn't say religiously have a really, you know, kind of know about it. But if you really love God, you'll just kind of get to a place of saying, okay, what do I need to do? Even if it's going to stretch me, bring me out of my comfort zone. The thing is, is me displaying the love of God. And I think that right there is where people can start kind of meeting and saying, okay, you love God. Okay, well, let's work together. Let's sit down and reason together. As long as we know that's the foundation that we're building from. That's awesome. You know, and going back to what you said about the locker room, um, <clears throat> you had a common goal. And yeah. I talked to, I've talked to a lot of coaches, former coaches, athletes, former athletes about that's truly a picture of the church, the big C church. And if we yeah. as Christians in the church would view following Christ with that common goal, mm-hmm. we could erase 90% of the issues we have. Absolutely. All this division and mess yes. that we argue over would go away Absolutely. because, but we don't have, even inside the church, we don't have a common goal. Oh, and no. I just look at the locker room, your explanation of the locker room and go, boom. <laughs> what if the church viewed that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because you know, in the locker room, we're all players. I don't care what, what position you play. Right. We are all players. Same thing if the church would look at it and say, we're all followers. See, too often we'll say, oh, well, the pastor, he's the big guy at the top. No, no, no. He's a follower of Christ, too. We're all followers. You know? So we've got to embrace that concept. So if, if it's about me growing, you know, follow me as I follow Christ, and we're all just coming together more so than, well, let me look at you. Let me see where you are. I'm not trying to judge you. I can't judge a quarterback because I'm not a quarterback. I can't right. judge a DB. I'm not one. But, man, you know what? If I work at being the best at my position, man, we all come together, you know, and, and put together a great team. And I think that's one of the things that we have so much of, of a divide in church. You know, you'll have a person who, well, I don't like that kind of music. Well, define worship music for me because we may have different cultural backgrounds, but worship is worship, you know? Mm. So, but are you willing to at least listen to say, okay, well, you know what, this song is for you. It's just like riding in a car. You know, if you're going across country, Stu, you probably want to listen to a little country I want to listen to some R&B. So guess what? We're going to play your song. Then they're going to play my song. And guess what? We can ride happily. But now it can't be fair. We're just going to say, nope, you know what? We're just going to listen to R&B the whole time we ride. Really? That's selfish. That's right. (laughs) No, amen. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that you start looking at. Too many people know, you know, it's all about me. So it brings about that selfishness doing what I want to do more so than saying it's not about me. It's about God in every facet on your job in the churches everywhere. Make it about That's God. good. Good stuff. So the next question I want to ask you is more for maybe some advice or encouragement to a student athlete or a coach that's listening. We have a lot of uh, student athletes and coaches that listen. And, and it's not a secret that depending on where they are um, in the country, it's not as easy to be bold in their faith mm-hmm. um, in the schools. Um, and I mean, we could have a whole nother conversation on athletics being a platform, but it is mm-hmm. for good or bad. Yes. Um, so what advice or encouragement would you offer that student athlete or coach that wants to use the platform that God's given them um, as a believer? And, and, and they want to be a little more bold with that, but not sure how to take the next step. You know, it, it's, it's one of those I always say, don't neglect the process. Mm. It's like cooking a cake. It's going to take time. It's, it's going to, you just can't put a cake in the oven and say, I'm going to bring it out in 15 minutes and I, I'm, I want to know what's going on. 
I think so often that's the problem. We'll sit right here and and even, okay, after we get saved, we want to so quickly jump and be, oh, man, I'm, re- I'm ready to go gung-ho for God. And it's like, okay, you're on fire. That's great. But has God told you to go gung-ho yet? <laughs> you know, so use wisdom. Don't neglect the process. It's something that you grow into. However, in the sense of not neglecting the process, also don't neglect the place that the platform that you have and where God has placed you in a sense of being able to use wisdom to do it. Um, as I told you, I've gone into schools and, and shared the gospel, but I've never done it in a disrespectful way or one of those. I don't care what y'all think. I'm just going to hit you with the gospel. No, come on. I, I'm much wiser than that. Be wise. Mm. Be wise as a serpent, harmless as a dove. So I can share with you on some decisions that I made that was life changing for me of having a, a, a relationship with something greater than me. I just shared the gospel, but you have to be there to really get it. You know, so now you have people saying, you said you made a decision to love something that was greater than yourself. What was it? See, now you asked me the question. Now I can tell you. it was right. So it's just being able to, to use wisdom as a coach. And I tell so many, um, even with me as a coach, Football is just a tool that I use. I, I My big thing when I coach is coaching character and life because football is going to end. I don't care whether you're a coach, whether you're a player. At some point, football is going to end. And you're going to have a day, I don't care who you are, on when you're going to have to sit right there and you're, all you're going to have to hold on to is hope. And you're going to have to look at yourself in the mirror as a coach and say, man, did I give these kids uh, that key of hope? Hey, man, when it gets tough, it's not just one of those. Uh, press through that one more gasser, but being able to say, hey, man, all this stuff is going to come to an end and you're going to have to believe in something greater than yourselves. And I can just tell you right now, for me, it was my my belief in God and that was life changing for me and has changed my family. I want him to think about that long after the playing days are over, long after he's done being under my tutelage as a coach. Man, coach told me that, man, one of the strongest things that he believed in uh, past all the fame was his relationship with God. Hmm. And you know what? And coach was pretty cool too. It wasn't stuffy. He wasn't square, man. I, I can do this. I can mm. do this. So That's I just good. want to you know, encourage those coaches. Hey man, you can do it. Players, you can do this without being square, without feeling like you're missing out on something. You're not missing out on anything. Don't, don't believe the lie. You know, I, I parted with the best of them. Man, if you can go back and do it again, but did you, do you miss that? No. I don't miss it. I don't miss any of that. It's a great time of deception, but I don't miss it. Hmm. So a lot of people have a life verse, um, favorite scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was going to ask you, do you have one that maybe you would share with us or maybe one that God's used in your life recently that you would share to encourage us? Uh, my life verse comes from James chapter one, verse 22. And it simply says this, be not a hearer, of the word, but a doer. And that right there is just always one of those things of you can hear the word, faith cometh by hearing, but your action that follows up is what really tells the story. So it's just like anything else. We could talk about working out all day, but if we don't go into that weight room, nothing's going to happen. We could talk about we need to go and run, but if we don't get out there and start running, we're not going to be in shape. So it's one of those things of really, uh, going to church on Sunday and really saying, I, I got to get something out of this. And I'm going to go ahead and say this. If you're not getting something out of this, you got to make a change. I got to get something out of this in a way that's going to help me become a better person. 
And I think that's one of the things of you can't just keep hearing this and not change. So your action has to follow. So it's not being able to judge, but in time, you just need to see something come about. I just know when you put a seed in the ground, if you keep putting water on it, it's going to grow. It's inevitable. It's going to happen. But you can't sit right there and say, oh, it's happening. You don't see anything. No, it doesn't work that way. It's going to take time, but you definitely should see growth. So just don't don't be a hero of the word, but be a doer. Be a doer. Put some action behind what you believe. Yeah, because I I firmly believe that if you're truly hearing and listening, then you will do. Absolutely. I mean, you'll have a choice. (laughs) But if if you're not doing, then you're probably not really hearing. (laughs) That's good. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's I mean, yeah. that's just I'm a, you know I'm from Alabama. Yeah. Simple way of right. thinking, but that's just to me. That's right. just I think that's that's the part that I miss a lot of times too. Absolutely, so, we all do. We all do. Yeah. That's the thing. It's just when it when it finally hits your ding, you know what? And 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 again, and I've been in this walk a long time, but I still have my struggles at the time when you'll sit around and say, "Why haven't you done that yet?" And you say, "You know what? You're overthinking this. It's a little bit of fear there. But then next, you know, from the word that you've heard, when you realize, you know, God did not give me a spirit of fear. You know, it mm. is not of him. But man, so let me go for this and, and trust God. So it's always having that word inside of you that's going to propel you to action. That's right. One final question. Um, this is always a fun one to ask. Talking about the first two words of our organization, all in. I mean, yes. it's all over the sports world and we all know what it means. And we picked that from Colossians 3.17, you know, paraphrasing it, um, whatever you say or do, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, which, mm-hmm. you know, whatever we think, whatever we say, whatever we do, we should be doing it as uh, unto God. So, and we spend a lot of time talking to kids about that. What does it mean to be all in spiritually, mm-hmm. at school, at home, at work, whatever you're doing? Um, mm-hmm. That's clearly what, we you know, what, what God calls us to, but I want to ask you, David, what does that mean for David Rocker to be all in in his daily walk with Christ? When I hear that, I think about Matthew uh, 22, I want to say it's uh, verse 37, when it just simply says to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, and all their mind. In a way of, in everything that you do, being God conscious. Now, I'm not talking about you walk around and you can't you can't even think about brushing your teeth because you're God conscious. I'm not talking about that. But in everything that you do, you want to make sure that you're honoring God in it. So if I'm being a student, I want to be the best student. I want to honor God in me being a student. If it's me being a son uh, to a mom or to a dad, we don't have to have the best relationship, but being all in, I'm going to honor my father and mother so that my days may be long on, on earth. So it's being all in a sense of saying, man, you know what? I'm going to do this for God, even if it makes me uncomfortable, even if it's not, not me being happy all the time, it's me making sure that, man, you know, how can I honor God in this situation? And that's in all situations. So sometimes it just requires you being a friend and just listening that you don't even have to say a scripture, but you're there. And it's so often that you can witness without using words, but it's just simply being able to to be that person that people will simply be watching and saying, man, you know what? It's something about this dude that he's never complaining. Hmm. He's always helping, which is what helping is serving. He's always, he's always being positive. That's what you always want to encourage others. And now that opens that door for them to say, man, what makes you that way? That's you being all in. That's you being all in wanting to win in every area of your life and pleasing God in the process. Man, I like the way you said, and I wrote that down, just in all things, being God mm-hmm. conscious. Yes. 
That's powerful. Yeah. Simple, yeah. but powerful. That's Absolutely. good. Absolutely. Man, I appreciate your time. I know you're a busy man, and um, thanks for um, being available and willing to do this. I've got a page and a half of notes here. Uh, it's always <laughs> fun to talk. And it's always fun, obviously, to talk some Auburn football and bring back some memories of some games. Oh, yeah. But, but more than anything, just to, just to be encouraged in, in, in your walk. And um, hopefully, I know I've been encouraged, and, and hopefully listeners um, will, will be encouraged as well. If nothing else, just that we would all – um, love God with everything and, um, you know, be God conscious and everything we do. Well, well, it's been a joy for me being on the show and I just want to encourage you, man, keep doing what you're doing, man. I love this. That's I love awesome. it. So you, you got to keep it going. I'll be sure to tell my buddies or friends about it. We got to tune in to, to all in and, and let's get in, you know, and that's good. So we need more people uh, like you to making it happen, making it happen. So, if, and awesome. if it's anything I can do for All In Outreach, let me know. Uh, I'm definitely definitely on board with you, man. So I really do appreciate you having me on the show. Good deal. Thanks again to David for taking some time of his busy schedule to, to join us and to talk a little Auburn football, talk a little bit about life in the NFL, but most of all, talk about his passion for Christ and following Christ and making Christ known. And um, I, I just love his testimony of talking about his rookie year. He went from religion to relationship. It's when he finally realized and started questioning, is Jesus Lord of my life? And getting his life right with the Lord at that point and then launching a ministry, an outreach ministry where he's in schools, prisons, working with FCA, speaking all over the place. Uh, He's an ordained minister and encouraging us that no matter what we do, we need to love God. And never neglect the process of where God has us every day. And when we're seeking wisdom, we need to go to the source of true wisdom, and that is God. And, you know, just the whole baking the cake example. You know, it takes, it's a process of putting all the ingredients together, mixing it, putting it in the cake pan, put it in the oven. Same thing is, is, is our life every day. It's a process. And just seeking God for wisdom, but most of all, just loving God first. So thanks again to David. Thanks for listening. I ask you to share this episode with your family and friends. Um, We'd love to hear from you. Go to our Facebook page, All In Sports Outreach, or our website, www.allinsportsoutreach.org. Find out who we are, why we do what we do, opportunities to pray for us, to serve with us, to give. And the last thing I'm going to ask you is to go to iTunes. Leave us that five-star review. The more reviews we get, the greater the platform to continue shining the light of Christ through media. Thank you again for your continued prayers and encouragement. Until next time.